I'm curious, do you have a really great BS detector? You're, maybe you're often skeptical of others. Are you really street smart? Would you say you're pretty self-assured? You often find yourself being the leader in the group. Maybe you even struggle to ask for help. Do you love a good challenge? Do you fight really hard for the causes you believe in? Do you have a great sense of humor? I bet you're a blast. You might have thought that these were all parts of your personality, but they might actually be coping mechanisms you've picked up over the course of your life, and they're having a huge impact on how you show up, especially on this motherhood journey. Are you curious to know more? You got to take my personality patterns quiz. Here's what's going on. When you were a child, whenever an experience overwhelmed your nervous system, you subconsciously built a defense against that overwhelm. Over time, those defenses became a habit and then they became a pattern. And now as an adult, what we think of as our personality is often this defense pattern running the show. It's so interesting, right? There are five different personality patterns and they're not personality types like the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs but rather they describe the safety strategies that we immediately go to when we start to feel overwhelmed. They don't describe who we are so much as what's blocking who we are. The good news is that once you take my quiz and learn about your pattern, you can learn skills to break out of that pattern, and then you can live and parent your kids as your true and authentic self. Click on the quiz link in the show notes or go to michellegrosser.com forward slash quiz Now to take my two-minute personality pattern quiz. Welcome to the Calm Mom Podcast, the show for ambitious women ready to get off the hot mess express. I know you've got a lot going on. You work so hard. You're raising an incredible family, and sometimes it can be overwhelming. I'm your host, Michelle Grosser. I'm a certified master life coach, attorney, wife, and mom. And years ago, I was right where you are. I was running a busy law practice while raising a family, and I was on the fast track to burnout. I thought I just needed to be more organized or have better routines, but it was learning how to heal and regulate my nervous system that expanded my capacity to gracefully hold more of this big, beautiful life. You too are worthy of an extraordinary life in and beyond motherhood. Learning to be a calm, anchoring presence in your home and at work is going to be your superpower. If you're here to do the inner work that brings a sense of calm amidst the chaos, I'm here to join you on that journey. Each time you press play, your growth continues. So let's get at it. You are listening to the Calm Mom Podcast. It's Michelle Grosser here. Welcome. Today, we're going to be talking about three reasons why you might be struggling with high-functioning anxiety. I did an episode a few weeks ago about 10 signs of high-functioning anxiety, and y'all, that one hit. So many of you booked discovery calls, you DM'd me, you sent me emails, you left me um, voice notes, just telling me how much that episode resonated with you and that so many of those signs of high-functioning anxiety A lot of you guys were experiencing most, if not all of them on the day to day. And it was just like right below your awareness. Like you, you just thought that was how you were, right? Like that's just my personality or that's just how life is in this season. And I think a lot of you found hope and encouragement that there are resources that you can use to help 
heal that part of you and let your body get to a space where it feels safe enough to kind of move out of that anxious uh, sympathetic stress response and come back to a place of regulation. So in light of all of your responses about how much that one resonated, I am going to create more content around how high-functioning anxiety because y'all, we need it. <laughs> we need it. So many of us are feeling anxious. You know, I've felt anxious for a really long time. And the thing is, is that there's a cost to that, you guys. Like I remember before I really understood my nervous system, before I really started doing this work, I don't know, maybe like six, seven, eight years ago, I remember days when I would just wake up feeling really anxious. And I remember just having these conversation conversations with Jeff and just telling him like, man, I feel so anxious today. And he'd be like, well, you know, what's going on? Like, what's bothering you? What are you worried about? And I just couldn't pinpoint it. Like they're I didn't even have kids at the time, right? I had a good job. Like everything seemed quote unquote okay, but I still had that pit in my stomach. I still had that tightness in my chest. I still felt on edge and irritable and I wasn't sleeping well. And like, I didn't understand why. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Before we jump into it, I want to ask you guys, if you have not left the Calm On podcast a five-star rating yet, or a short review. If you could do that today, that would mean the world to me. It's really the best way you can thank me for this content. Um, and it's also the best way that we can get the, these resources in front of other women who are struggling with a lot of these same things. So if you haven't left a five-star rating or a short review yet, if you could do that today, just thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. All right. So let's talk a little bit about where this stuff comes from, right? High functioning anxiety. And here's the thing. Our brain is good at doing so many things, right? But one of the things that our brain isn't particularly adept at is distinguishing between a real and actual threat, right? Something that is actually dangerous or, or what it is perceiving to be a threat. Our nervous system is like a library, you guys. Anything that we've experienced from conception, like literally in our mother's womb, that our nervous system perceived as dangerous or felt unsafe or uncomfortable or stressful, whatever it is, our nervous system stored that away like a library. And it stored that away. And now it's hyper vigilant for anything that looks or sounds or smells or in any way seems similar to that stressful event that it experienced and cataloged away, right? And now those become our triggers. When our nervous system, a lot of this is subconscious, right? When our nervous system gets a sense that, oh, that looks like something that was stressful or, oh, that sounds like something that was stressful or, wow, this feels like something that was stressful. At some point in our past, it sends us into this stress response and our body releases all of these hormones and these chemicals like cortisol and adrenaline to prepare us for fight or flight even when there is no actual threat before us, right? And when that happens over time, our body doesn't metabolize the, 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 what's happening inside of us, right? What's being released in our hormones, our muscle tension, all of these different things, because we're not actually fighting or running. This is just a perceived threat, right? Like I'm just sitting at my computer or I'm just having breakfast or I'm just laying in my bed trying to fall asleep, and my body is still dealing and holding on to these perceived threats. 
and they're, and they're, um, having an impact. There's a cost to this. And back then, like I, when I was noticing that I was experiencing a lot of anxiety and I couldn't really pinpoint the cause, I didn't have tools in my toolbox to communicate to my body that it was safe, right? So I, I knew in my head, there's nothing going on here that's unsafe. Everything is okay, right? I have the things that I need. I have a roof over my head. I have access to food. My physical safety is not in danger. Like I knew all of these things on like a brain level, on a, on a, on a logical level, right? Like I knew these things logically, but I didn't understand that my body doesn't speak a verbal language. So I could know these things and say them, but they weren't embodied, right? My body wasn't getting the message because my body doesn't speak a verbal language. My body communicates through movement and through sound and through touch and through breath. And I didn't have those tools to actually communicate to my body that it was safe, that there were no threats, right? That it was okay to drop the guard, to shift out of fight or flight and move back into a state of regulation. So what I want to do today is I want to go through three reasons that you guys might be experiencing high functioning anxiety. Because here's the thing, there is a reason for every single thing that we do. There is a reason for every single thing that we feel. That reason might not be within our conscious memory, right? Or our consciousness or understanding. So as I go through these, my hope is that you just grow in awareness, right? That you just grow in understanding of why you might be feeling how you're feeling sometimes, why you might be experiencing this anxiety and some of those root causes. Because here's the thing, it might be termed high functioning anxiety, right? You might still be getting stuff done. You might still be functioning, but the truth is that there is a cost to it. There's a cost, you guys. And I don't know what that looks like for you. For me, it looked like burnout. For me, that cost of living with high functioning anxiety looked like really, you know, feeling just like irritable and on edge more often than I'd like to admit, right? For me, it looked like gut issues like IBS, um, food, food sensitivities. I struggled with gluten sensitivity for a long time before I really learned how to regulate my nervous system. Uh, Cost for me was sleep, right? I could fall asleep okay, but my sleep during the night was interrupted. I was waking up at like 2, 3, 4 a.m., not able to fall back asleep. I was lethargic, right? I had no energy or motivation. Sure, I was getting stuff done, but I was running on fumes. I was running in a stress response and it was depleting me. And I always felt overwhelmed and I always felt like no matter how much I did, right, there wasn't, there wasn't enough time in the day and I still had more to do. And how did that come out? It came out in a lot of ways. I found myself just like snapping more, um, snapping at my husband early on, like snapping at my kids before I got, I got a handle on a lot of this stuff. So there is a cost to high-functioning anxiety. Yes, maybe you are still functioning and getting stuff done, but it comes with a cost. So if any of this lands for you guys today and you're like, you know what? I want to make a commitment. Like I am not bringing this way of being into 2024, right? I'm not going into 2024 feeling anxious like this all the time, feeling irritable, feeling on edge, feeling burnt out, feeling depleted, feeling overwhelmed. Like I'm not doing it. This is my year. I'm putting, right? I'm drawing a line in the sand and something's got to give. And I just want to encourage you guys. Now's the time to start doing something about it. You do not have to live this way. It is not 
your portion. And I'm not being an alarmist or like, I don't, I don't want any of this to be fear-based, but here's the truth, you guys. Like you can keep gathering information and reading books and listening to podcasts and scrolling Instagram accounts about nervous system regulation. And, you know, maybe in a few years, you're going to start putting some of it into practice and kind of fumbling around with it and trying out different tools and you'll start to notice a difference. But for those of us with kids, like I, I couldn't wait 15 years to get a handle on my anxiety and my dysregulation because by that time, my kids are going to be grown, right? They're going to be out of the house. So I felt some sense of urgency to start taking action, right? To hire my own coach, to resource myself, to um, compress the time within which I could actually see change and experience healing in my nervous system because I really wanted to show up as the healthiest mom, the healthiest mom I could be for my kids, the healthiest wife I could be for Jeff, but even bigger than all of that, like I deserved that too. Right? I deserve to operate from a place of joy and peace and presence. So if you want guidance on this and you're ready for change, you've decided, right? I'm not carrying this into 2024. Friends, now's the time. I have had so many discovery calls in September. I have met so many of you. It's been amazing. You guys have nearly booked me out, but I am opening up two more spots for one-on-one coaching between now and January. And once those are gone, I'm going to I'm going to be booked out for the rest of the year and I'm not going to be offering uh, one-on-one coaching until 2024. So if this is something you've been thinking about, if it's something you've been curious about, if there's been kind of a tug or a pull toward it, um, I just want, you know, maybe you've even just decided like I'm going to invest in myself (laughs) as a Christmas gift, right? I'm going to invest in my nervous system. I know the ROI on this is going to be incredible. Book a call. There's a link in the show notes. You can book a free 30-minute call with me. Tell me what you're experiencing. I want to hear about it. I want to get to know you a little bit. And then if coaching feels aligned for you, we can just talk about what that would look like. Okay, so let's get into it. I want to talk about three reasons you might be struggling with high-functioning anxiety. And guys, this list obviously isn't exhaustive, right? There's probably not just one or two roots of your anxiety, These are coping mechanisms. These are patterns that we've picked up over time, right? Probably over decades. However, I do think that these are three really common roots of high-functioning anxiety. So I think they're a great place for us to really start exploring and getting curious about what's going on beneath the surface for us that is driving that anxiety we're experiencing. So the first reason that you might be struggling with high-functioning anxiety is that you were raised by a critical caregiver. You were raised by a critical caregiver. And so often, our caregivers, if this resonates for you, had the best intentions, right? We know that. They wanted what was best for us. They wanted us to have more than they had. They wanted us to experience more and have a quote-unquote like better life than they had. They did it at the root from a place of love and wanting what was best for us But maybe they just didn't necessarily have the tools to teach that in a way that served our nervous system well. And instead of it coming out in a way that felt really encouraging and like unconditional love, instead it felt really critical. I was in a coaching session um, yesterday and my client was talking about her inner critic and how it's just like so loud lately and it's really been 
you know, coming at her and she's been feeling less than and she's been struggling with body image stuff and just this inner critic, just like constantly chirping in her ear. And that happens a lot, you guys, in my one-on-one coaching sessions, like inner the inner critic's a real thing. And it's a real thing we struggle with, especially as moms, especially as working moms. We've got a lot going on. We have high expectations for ourselves. And this inner critic has been a driving force in a lot of the things that we've accomplished, right? It just is what it is. And whenever a client of mine brings up the inner critic, one of the first questions I always ask is whose voice does that sound like, right? Whose voice does that inner critic sound like? Who's that inner critic emulating? What does that remind you of? And it, she didn't skip a beat, right? She, she thought about it and then she's like, my dad, my dad, right? My dad was so critical. He expected so much of me. Nothing was ever good enough. If I got, you know, an A, it should have been an A plus. He was always focused on my achievements and it was just like really really all the all of his criticism it was really hard to be around him it was really stressful i was raised by a critical caregiver and maybe that rings true for you right however that looks like if you think back again it can be with the best intentions it can be done really from a foundation of love and wanting the best for us but that can be stressful to our systems and because of that because of being raised by a critical caregiver We can pick up coping strategies and defense mechanisms that drive us towards having this high-functioning anxiety now as adults. So maybe you were raised by a critical caregiver, or maybe what you saw from your parents, what they modeled, was this kind of high-functioning anxiety themselves, right? Maybe you had a parent or two or a caregiver who was just really high-strung, right, who never sat still, who was always just doing who was really like achievement focused, right? Achievement was praised over everything else. Like it was like you got to go to the best schools and get the best grades and get the best job and go to the best college. And all of this pressure to be successful was really given high priority, high priority. And that can start resulting in high functioning anxiety and patterns of high functioning anxiety. Because guys, call it what it is. It's stressful. (laughs) It's stressful, right? And we're going to talk about how we were raised. So much of these patterns we run with in adulthood are things that we picked up in childhood. And it's it's a lot of yes and, right? Like, yes, I was raised by a critical caregiver. And, and I truly believe this for all of us, not just for our parents. Every single one of us as human beings is doing the best that we can at any given moment with the resources And with the information that we have available to us in that time, right? At that time. So yes, I may have been raised by a critical caregiver and my parents were doing the best that they could at that time with the information and resources that they had. So our high functioning anxiety might be an unintentional consequence of parents who really meant well, right? Who Of parents who really just wanted the best for us. And this is just kind of a symptom of that. And it's that yes and. Yes, we were raised by critical caregivers and they meant the best for us. And now it's showing up in these ways in adulthood. And as I gain this awareness, I can then do something about it. So that's number one, being raised by critical caregivers. Number two, the second reason you might be struggling with high functioning anxiety, and this one's kind of tied to to number one, you guys, but I want to talk about it in a little different, from a different lens. Um, Your childhood was stressful. 
So yes, being raised by a critical caregiver can be stressful, but there's a lot of other ways our childhood could have been stressful that leads to high-functioning anxiety. So maybe you were raised in an environment that just felt chaotic, right? When we are raised with a lot of chaos, a lot of unpredictability, a lot of moving parts, a lot of unknown, we become conditioned to operate in this hyper-aroused state, right? This high-stress state, this fight-or-flight state. We stay stuck there. And here's the thing about chaos, Chaos is subjective to your nervous system, you guys. So what might have felt chaotic to you as a kid might not have felt chaotic to your brother or what might have felt really stressful or maybe even traumatic to someone as a child wouldn't have necessarily been chaotic to someone else's growing and developing nervous system. So don't be so quick to like minimize your childhood, right? Don't be so quick to be like, well, I had a normal childhood. My parents did the best they could. Like I was always safe. My childhood was fine. Like, yes, sure. All of that could be true. And (laughs) there could have been moments, seasons, times in your childhood where your little nervous system felt like it was under stress, felt like there was unpredictability felt like there was some level of chaos or trauma. And this can show up in a lot of different ways, you guys. Like, let's just think about it for a second. Um, How about finances? Like growing up in your home, were your family's finances a point of stress? Did the financial situation feel chaotic? Did you hear your parents talking about money or lack thereof, right? Was hard work like really ingrained into you? The only way you're going to get anywhere is if you work really hard. The only way you're going to make money and live a comfortable life is if you work really hard. Were those two interchangeable? Were they connected? Did you feel the energy, right? The stressful energy of your parents in times of financial difficulty? Did you know that your parents were worrying about money and that's something you took on as a kid? That is stressful, right? That will send our nervous system into a hyper-aroused fight-or-flight state. How about your parents' emotions? If your parents exhibited inconsistent emotional regulation, if they were volatile in their emotions, if you didn't know what was going to trigger them, if you don't didn't know what you were going to get from them, right? You're like, is, is dad in a good mood or bad mood today when he gets home from work? Is you know mom hot or cold this morning when she's getting us ready for school? If you're constantly walking on eggshells around your parents, it's no wonder that that felt stressful to your little nervous system, your developing nervous system, and it's caused you to get into this hyper-aroused state that now is exhibiting as high-functioning anxiety in adulthood. If you grew up in a really um, rule-bound, rule-oriented environment or home, if there was just tons of rules... And you're always being told the rules and it was like, you're going to follow the rules. I said so because I'm the parent. You're going to do it because I said so. And that was really put on you. You were constantly referencing and living your life by all of the rules that you were being told about or informed of. You notice that you're even a rule follower now as an adult or you get really uncomfortable when people don't follow the rules, right? It like triggers you something inside of you. That can be really stressful as a child. That can turn into high-functioning anxiety. And then just like actual chaos that's not rooted in dysfunction beyond 
a bunch of people living in a house together, right? Like for me, I'm the oldest of five kids, right? My parents had five kids in eight years. So there's an eight-year difference between me and my youngest brother. As you can imagine, that just brought a lot of chaos. It brought a lot of noise and sounds and arguments and fighting over stuff and having to be in different places and everyone getting ready. And like, it's just a lot of chaotic moments just because of the sheer, I don't know, volume of stuff going on. It just did. It's no one's fault, but there are some nervous systems that might be more sensitive and that can have a greater impact on you growing up and cause um, a stress response and bring forth this anxiety because you were raised during seasons or in seasons or times that felt chaotic. And then I guess the last one I kind of want to touch on too is just this, um, you know, if you, if you were raised in a home where you guys were always busy, right, where rest or downtime was labeled as being lazy or unproductive, right? Heaven forbid we be unproductive or there were just these really high expectations on you especially academically or like maybe it was in extracurriculars or in sports or something, but it was like, you're going to make the team or you're going to get the A or you're going to make the club or you're going to get the role or the job. You're going to get into the college, like whatever it was that can certainly get us programmed into this pattern of, of feeling all of this stress constantly that drives high functioning anxiety. Because here's the thing, when any of this stuff becomes normal, so if financial stress or a parent's, you know, lack of emotional regulation or all of these rules or the chaos or being busy or these high expectations, when that is a pattern of our childhood, it becomes normal. It becomes normalized, right? It's what we know. It's what we experience. It's how we were raised. And then what happens is that the absence of this stress, the absence of this pressure, the absence of this, of this unpredictability, this volatility, the absence of that, i.e. peace and serenity and calm and stillness, guys, those things feel really uncomfortable because we don't know it. It's unfamiliar. It's this idea, right, that our system will always choose a familiar hell over an unfamiliar heaven. Like, let that sink in for a second. Your nervous system will always choose the familiar, even if you know it's not serving you well, even if you know that. So if you know that staying busy all the time and go, go, go and pushing yourself to the brink and living in this state of burnout is not serving you well, if that's what your nervous system knows, if that's how you've been raised and programmed, it's always going to choose that because it's familiar, right? That tendency to do what's familiar, to stay busy, to keep pushing, to not ask for help, to be strong, to whatever it is, it's programmed into us. It's programmed into us. Okay, so that's number two. And then number three is that you're stuck in comparison. Being stuck in comparison, you guys, is a great way to stay stuck in high-functioning anxiety. It's just a great way to stay feeling like we have to do more and, and be more in order for us to receive the things that we need, right? Love, approval, security. I mean, think think for a second. Think for a second what or all of the things that society is telling you about what it takes, what it looks like, what it sounds like to be a good mom, right? Think of all of the things that society is telling you that success means or is, right? Like 
how about how your house should look? Or like, gosh, we're entering into the holidays. Like, what is society putting on you about what Christmas needs to look like this year? Or else your kids are going to like, I don't know, be ruined or miss out or whatever it is, right? All the things that society puts on you about how you should look or how you should act or how you should be or the car you should drive or whatever, whatever, right? It only makes sense that some of these expectations when we're in this comparison trap are going to cause us anxiety because they're completely unrealistic. And like, let's just call it what it is. Like a lot of these things are dumb. You guys, they're just dumb. They're so dumb. And it like drives me crazy because we can just so easily get sucked into it without even realizing it. So something that I've started to do that's been a game changer for me, and maybe it'll help someone listening today, is when I feel myself like being pulled to do these things, right? To do more or like make sure my house looks a certain way or that my kids have, I don't know, certain stuff or certain experience or whatever because I see someone else doing it or I see it on Pinterest or I see it on Instagram or whatever. I first I ask myself like, is this true? Right? Is it true that my kids need to have 30 gifts under the Christmas tree in order for them to have a good Christmas? And that's like low-hanging fruit, but whatever it is for you guys, right? Is it true that X needs to happen in order for Y? Is this actually true? And I don't know, nine times out of 10, I'll catch myself because I'm like, no, it's not true. I will not be sucked into this, right? This actually isn't aligned with my values or the values of our family. So ask yourself, start asking yourself that, like, is this true? Is it true that my stomach needs to look this way in order for me to feel good about myself? Is it true that I need to like do X, Y, or Z in my professional life in order to feel accomplished? Do whatever it is. Ask yourself, is this true? Because here's the thing, and I think this is really important. We are always playing one of two games. And I talk about this quite a bit and I'm going to keep talking about it because I think it's so important. All of us as human beings are playing one of two games at all times. We're either playing an outside in game or we're playing an inside out game. And here's what that means. We are either referencing or looking for the things that we need to feel safe and to feel loved either from the outside, right? Either externally Or we've come to a place where we can actually self-reference and find those things within ourselves. So if we are looking for happiness or acceptance or approval, if we're playing the outside in game, that's going to look like a lot of striving. (laughs) That's going to look like getting a bunch of diplomas and degrees so I can hang them on a wall and feel good about myself, even though I'm in, you know, thousands of dollars in debt and doing a job that's like crushing my soul. That's going to look like I'm caring a lot about what, you know, my house looks like and my aesthetic and my, the car that I drive and, you know, whether I have Botox in my face or not or whatever. It shows up differently for all of us, right? But when we are constantly looking to things externally so that we feel a certain way internally, that's a losing game every single time. And it might hit for a few minutes or a few days or a few weeks or a few months, but it is not sustainable because there's always going to be something else, right? There's always going to be like a next level. There's always going to be, it's this constant pursuit. It's a mountain with no peak. However, when we can kind of shift that, right? We catch it, we have the awareness and then we can shift it 
to playing an inside out game, oh, you guys, the peace that comes from that. When I can get to a point where I truly believe and it's like this embodied thing within me that I can access joy regardless of my bank account, that I can access joy regardless of what my house looks like, that I can access joy regardless of what mood my husband is in, that I can access my self-worth, right? Regardless of, I don't know, whatever, whatever the thing, whatever your thing is, right? Whatever's driving you to, to be stuck in this like loop of comparison. When we can find that within us, oh, that's freedom, you guys. That's freedom. Because when we're always playing this outside in game, it's so stressful and it will keep us in this hyper aroused stress response which can express as high-functioning anxiety. So what do we do? (laughs) So what do we do, right? You're like, okay, Michelle, I I get it, Like, but don't leave me here. So three of the most common roots of high-functioning anxiety. You're raised by critical caregivers. Your childhood was stressful, however that looked like, right? And you find yourself stuck in this comparison that actually isn't aligned with your values. It's causing you stress and it's not even true. What do we do about it? A couple ideas to wind down the episode today. One, you've got to reevaluate. You've got to take stock, do an inventory. Guys, we're getting down to Q4 of this year. It's a great time to do this before you jump into the next year. You have to reevaluate your pace. Really take a look at what your day-to-day looks like. What do your weeks look like? What do your months look like? If it is not sustainable, and you know, the only you know the answer to this, so be honest with yourself. If it is not sustainable, you've got to make a change, you guys. Slow down. Say no. Cancel stuff off of your calendar. You do not have to go to every single holiday event that comes up for your kids or for your you know, partner's work or for your own work or for your friend groups. You don't have to do all of it, especially as we enter into the holidays. Keep that front of mind. Say no if it's not a full body yes. Slow down. Create margin. Healing happens when you slow your pace. Anxiety will ease when you slow your pace. It might feel uncomfortable at the beginning. We just talked about that, right? If you're so used to being go, 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 it's a great distraction for what's going on inside of you. Your body is going to feel, your nervous system is going to feel really uncomfortable slowing down. And I just encourage you to lean into that. Lean into that. Notice what would have been your old pattern of staying busy and saying yes to everything and make a decision and take action to do it differently. That's how you rewire your brain, you guys. So number one, slow down. Number two, really get clear on what are your core and what your core values are. What are your core values? Not your husband's core values, not your kids' core values, not your work's core values, not your parents' core values, your core values. And this is how I coach this. And so what I would encourage you to do, jump on Google, Google a a core values list, and you're going to get all these different lists with like hundreds of values. Narrow it down. Narrow it down to a handful that are yours, that are most important to you, right? Being present with my family, being in integrity, being kind or whatever it is, your five core values, and then let those drive all of your decisions, opportunities that come before you, right? Saying yes to things, um, where you spend your time, where you put your focus, where you put your energy, where you put your intention and your attention, 
Let that be driven by your core values. Third thing I think you can do, be aware and just be intentional about that shift, right? The journey of shifting toward playing an inside out game. So when you're drawn or, or tempted to do something because it's going to, you think that if I do X, it's going to make me feel a certain way or bring a certain thing up inside of me. Ask yourself if that's actually true. And then if you find that you're, you're in this pattern of playing this outside in game, right? When I have X, I'm going to feel this. If I did Y, I'm going to feel this. Start to shift that. Start to shift that and really explore how you can create whatever it is that you're seeking internally so you can experience it now without being dependent on anything on the outside, on anything on the outside. And then the last thing I think we can start doing, this is my big three. I talk about this all the time, you guys, because it's so powerful. My big three, you got to introduce or you should introduce or you should want to introduce or you should start introducing more stillness, movement, and play into your days, into your day-to-day into your routines, into your habits, more stillness, more movement, and more play. And maybe you've got a great morning routine that includes movement and stillness. How could you add some play in during the day, right? Don't overcomplicate this. Maybe there's a hobby. Maybe you're gardening. Maybe you turn on your favorite song, you know, three times a day and you spend two or three minutes dancing to it. And before you know it, at the end of each day, you spent 10 minutes playing and and accessing that joy within you and pleasing your inner child, right? So those those are my big three, more stillness, more movement, and more play every single day. And if you can stay consistent to these with these things, you guys, slowing down, figuring out your core values, letting those drive you, shifting toward an inside out game, and then incorporating more stillness and movement and play into your day, watch what happens. Watch what happens as you start to heal And that anxiety starts to fade because your body trusts that it can step out of this hypervigilant stress response. It can get back to regulation. You don't need to be on alert. You actually are safe. You have everything that you need. You are loved. And the anxiety will, will, it really will. It'll start to fade away. All right. That's what I've got for you guys. I'm believing this was helpful. I'm believing this helped to grow your awareness about the root causes of some of these things and gave you some handles to really start incorporating moving forward. Um, and again, if you have thought about working with me, if you, if that's something you have found yourself, you know, kind of wondering about or daydreaming about or imagining what it would look like for you as you would learn to regulate your nervous system, I encourage you now is the time. Um, it's the last quarter of the year. Let's do this thing together and get you starting 2024, really just feeling your best, right? So you can be your best. All right. I love you guys so much. Have a good one. And I'll talk to you soon. If you love mommy's polygraph, leave a review. If you enjoyed this episode, it would be so awesome if you could take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast. And if you have just a few more seconds to leave a quick review, They really help to get this podcast out to other moms like you. I read every last review and trust me, when it's late at night or early in the morning before my kids get up and I'm working on bringing you all of this content, your reviews are what keep me going. Leaving a review is truly the best way you can thank me. And of course, 
DM me on Instagram. I love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to another episode. Head over to the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at michellegrosser.com where you'll find free resources and more ways to connect with me. If you love the show, share it with a friend. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next time.